Welcome to Deep Dive for Impact, where we tackle some of the biggest questions nonprofits and social enterprises face. In this podcast, we'll help you navigate the world of fundraising with insightful conversations, practical tips, and a whole lot of inspiration to help you make an even greater impact on the causes you care about. Hey, I'm glad to be with you to have another opportunity to deep dive for impact. I'm Nick Fellers, and in this episode, we're going to be unpacking a framework that serves as the foundation for high dollar fundraising. The foundation for high dollar fundraising. I can summarize that in just three words. Impact drives income. Impact drives income. Now, of course, we're going to be unpacking that because that's what we do on the deep dive. But in our unpacking, we're going to be talking about how we can use those words and the mindset that that gives us to strengthen the story for funders. We'll be taking a moment to talk about how funders think. A lot of our work at 4Impact is with funders and philanthropists directly. So we'll share with you some of the things that they talk about in terms of the impact they're trying to have and the stories that they get on the fundraising side. And then finally, we'll look at those two words and treat it like a process. We'll see how we can use those two words to take what could be an infinitely complex thing, that is structuring conversations with new prospects, leads, funders, so many ways that could go, right? Well, we'll use this to instruct us to build a really simple and repeatable process that we can take out to funders. So with that, let me go ahead and set up this framework. Now, a framework is something that's universally applicable. And in this setup, I want to take you to, uh, I I recall where we were sitting. We were in Mission Beach, San Diego. If you've ever been there, there's a boardwalk, like a paved boardwalk, and separating the boardwalk and the beach is kind of a cement, maybe a three-foot high wall. We were sitting on there, and look, we're always on this quest to try to reduce, I call it reductive clarity, to try to get more simple ways to explain how to think about fundraising and how to approach funders. And we'd had this uh, idea, this picture of impact and income for a while, but there was really an epiphany for us in that we could use that to set up an entire point of view. We could use that to illustrate and explain how we had helped raise over $2 billion. Now that's a pretty heady or pretty big thing, but when you can reduce $2 billion down to something that fits on a napkin, it's pretty cool. So let me give you that napkin. Let me give you the mental picture. I want you to imagine that you're looking at a napkin or a whiteboard or a piece of paper, and on the left side of it is the word impact, preferably in blue letters. So blue impact. Then on the right side, same line, would be the word income in green. We use green because of money, obviously. Connecting those two words from left to right, flowing from left to right, would be an arrow from the left to the right in red. And so it reads impact arrow income. And for us, that's our way of denoting or illustrating impact drives income. Now, the reason, the reason that's a really big idea or the reason it's a really big way for us to teach a whole lot is because 
we always have to back our way up into being able to describe, communicate, articulate the impact. And our ability or how effective we are with that actually determines how effective we are with the income. Now, I've done this in front of a lot of rooms over the years, thousands of people. And usually at this point, people are looking at me like, well, yeah, you don't get much grand reaction, at least certainly not to warrant the kind of emphasis that I'm bringing to this. But I want to share with you why it's such a big deal, because all of us default, we end up at or we return to the income side, right? You've got a campaign. You're launching a campaign. You've got $20 million. What do you do? You back your way up into being able to build the case, the case for support, why you need the money. You have a goal to go ask a funder for $200,000. Now, that goal is really clear on the income side, but your confidence is really impacted, no pun intended, by your ability to articulate the impact or the reason or what we call the funding rationale, the reason that you're asking for $200,000. That $200,000 would allow us to accomplish what? What would be the impact? There's something we hear all the time. We need unrestricted funds. No doubt there are many fundraisers listening to this that have been told you need to go get more unrestricted funds. Now, there we are. We're camping out on that right side of the paper. To do this, we have to articulate with much greater effect, clarity, uh, in a compelling way, the impact. In fact, often when we can't do that, a funder will direct or restrict their funds because they want to have an impact. Now, as I said, we default to this. This is all around us. Intellectually, everybody knows impact drives income. But the first thing we're doing right now, you and I, is we're building an awareness of even though we know that, how often we must deliberately shuttle back to the left or start to the left. Let's look at our name for impact in the name of the sector. So many here listening today would identify as a not-for-profit. My friends, we have a storytelling challenge. We just said it's not around the income side of that sheet of paper on the right. It's all about the impact. And yet the entire name of our sector is on the income side. Not only that, the negative on the income side. Does that make any sense? We have a storytelling challenge. Someone will always shout out in, a, in an audience, yes, but that's how the IRS defines us. I just want you to say that out loud. The IRS is defining our story. Nay, makes no sense. Now listen, I don't really care, honestly, if you call yourselves a four impact or not, but what I don't wanna see is a letter that says we're a 501c3 not for profit, okay? You are essentially starting off and saying, let me message everything that we do in terms of the income side of the equation. And finally, I'll expand on this here in a little bit, but our funders, the greatest challenge that we hear from funders is actually having an impact. So we're going to dive into that a little bit because I think once we understand that the funders have a challenge, then we can position ourselves to be a solution to that challenge. So I'll take those illustrations, the campaign, the $200,000 ask, unrestricted. And let me talk about what happens when we back our way into the impact side. Let me start there and give you a little illustration that you can use. I think first of uh, 
of, a, of an ed tech organization. They have a technology that helps with literacy and it scales to uh, thousands of classrooms. They had some philanthropy in their uh, starting days five years ago, but they've mostly have some earned income and fee for service. In fact, they're returning to fundraising for the first time. They gave us a call and they said, you know, we're doing a lot of new outreach to potential funders and we're just not getting anybody responding to us. We began by looking at the message and one of the very first things that we noticed in their outreach was the subject line on their emails. The subject line said, hey, uh, I forget the exact verbiage and I won't share the name of the organization, but the essence of it was, we're doing a $3 million funding campaign. Would you like to be a part of it? Nobody, my friends. Funders have an impact problem, not a giving away money problem. They're not, we're not solving their problem by giving them campaigns. So using this simple visual impact and income, we backed our way up and said, hey, education technology, what are you all about? They said economic mobility. The foundation was all about economic mobility. And we began to construct a story or a narrative that says, hey, here's what we're doing. We'd like to talk to you because you're in this field as well. And we believe that we have a lot of overlap. And if there's congruence, if there's alignment on the impact side, we'd love to talk to you, of course, about partnering. Okay, But the subject was around getting together to talk about our impact. Their hit rate went way up. I'll bring back this economic mobility exercise or this organization, this ed tech organization, in just a little bit to give you more, of it, more ways to think about that. So that was just on their outreach. The second illustration I want to provide for you very quickly is of a cancer research organization that we did some work with a number of years back. When they contacted us, they said, you know, our challenge is everybody wants to hyper-restrict their giving to a particular type of cancer, and that makes sense. That particular type of cancer, say, breast cancer detection or treatment or awareness, because that was how people came to interact with cancer, perhaps themselves or in their family. But we contrasted that. What the organization said was, we need more unrestricted funds. And Nick, we use our annual fund to do that. And when you step back, what you got to see very quickly is they were trying to educate their audience about the importance of unrestricted giving. I get it. You get it, especially if you're close to this, right? Like if we do this every day, you know the impact of that. But think about the receiving end. Think about the funder. They're presented with two options. The option to clearly give to something that's relevant to them or to unrestricted. What are you going to choose every time? Here's what we did. We began to ask, why do we need unrestricted? We interviewed about 20 people. And one of the really interesting things that we observed or we learned is that after a particular type of cancer research uh, shows promise, there are a lot of big dollars that can be brought behind a, a scale, I'm sorry, a, a trial or a study. So in the US, that might be federal dollars. And so what we needed was money to cover everything up to that point. Well, if you step back far enough, you would say, well, that's the process of innovation. We need money to put us in a position to try a lot of things, failure, explore, etc., so that when we have those things, we can leverage them into these other funding sources. 
We asked the leadership, would it be okay? And in fact, would it be accurate if we were to repurpose this or rename this, not repurpose it, rename it to be an innovation fund? We still went on to talk about some of the value of being able to have flexibility in those dollars, but the top line message was around innovation. Again, they signed off on it and it was true to their impact. That annual fund went up 40% year over year for two years because they're focused on the impact side. And finally, the third story that I want to share with you uh, was given to us. After sharing this example and this framework at one of our trainings, there was in attendance a faith-based adoption agency. And they said, you know, we've been asking people to sponsor a table every year for $3,500 at an event. I am not going to get on my soapbox here about uh, special events as fundraisers. We're not really big into that. However, I do think it's pretty cool what this organization did. Instead of asking people to sponsor a table for $3,500, they began to do some math. And they determined that for every successful placement that they make, there's a gap. So a child in a family, a loving family, there's a gap of about $3,300. So what they did the next year, the subsequent year, is they asked people to fund the gap for one family. And then they gave them a table. And they had, of course much improved, marked improved uh, results on that quote annual event. To me, that's a story about deliberately moving over to the impact side of that equation. So again, think about that visual. So a couple of things there, and we'll tease out a couple of more stories together. But here, I want to shift over and share with you some interesting conversations that we and I have had with funders over the years. The first one I want to bring up is actually a time that I had the occasion or the opportunity to be with Jeff Skoll. Now, many people will recognize that name. I believe it was the first or the second employee at eBay. Uh, has a film company. They produce a lot of the films that you've seen. Um, produced the Skull Center. There's just a lot of stuff that, that Skull has done over the years. But before we were even getting going, Mr. Skull said, so tell me what you're all about. And I pulled out a sheet of paper that had that, that mental visual that you have, the blue impact, red arrow, green income. And he looked at it and he said, that's the holy grail. And he put his finger, he's pointing to the word impact. I said, say more. He says, this is, this is what we're trying to achieve. And it's so hard. It's so hard to have an impact. But if you can actually have an impact, that's the holy grail. Now, that little exchange for me was, of course, a validation. I mean, here you have Jeff Skoll worth billions of dollars doing a lot of philanthropy pointing to that word. That's a sample size of one, but I'm pulling it forward because it represents conversations I've had with so many funders over the years. As well, I think the speed, the pickup there, was an illustration of the frustration of what we've heard from so many funders. I want to know, I have a hard time knowing if I'm having an impact. Think about that for a second. We can channel that. Like my mindset that I want to bring to you is if you go to talk to a funder, a foundation, uh, an individual, 
and parts of a corporation, they might look for a different kind of an impact if there's CSR, but generally speaking, I think most of them, we can assume that there's a challenge that they have in putting their money and actually having an impact. Now that challenge was better articulated to me this last year. We were uh, on a Zoom call and one of the participants for this organization also served, they were on the board of this organization, they also served as a chairperson for a national foundation that you would know. And we went through impact drives income and the chairperson said, Nick, I'd like to say a word if I could. I said, sure. This chairperson said, this is a really important idea that I think we all need to think about for a moment. It strikes me that in any given quarter, we get about 400 grant requests. And those that we end up funding are those where it's really clear what the impact will be. I asked the chairperson, just give us a guesstimate about how many requests do you see where that's not clear? And the chairperson said about 90%. I want you, the audience, to hear what that funder said. 90% of the time, it's not really clear. Wow. Do you have an impact? Rhetorical. I know you have an impact. You know you have an impact. And so the challenge that we have here, I think, is really one around storytelling and engagement. Connecting that impact to the funder clearly and in a compelling way so that it registers for them, a storytelling challenge. Let's look at what we can do in terms of the storytelling. I'm gonna give you a couple of ideas. We're gonna explore storytelling and impact along three dimensions. I call it left to right, top down, and outside in. And let me explain what I mean. And all of this, again, is attempting to help us uh, raise that level of awareness around shifting to the impact, articulating our impact, and engaging better. First on the awareness, left to right. I'm going to go back to that visual, always. Impact on the left, income on the right. Impact drives income. To me, I you'll often hear me say that this is the the golden rule for business, the golden rule, of course, is do unto others as you would want them to do to you. For business, I would say, for profit, not for profit, for impact, I would say, uh, the more impact we have the or the more value we create as a for profit, then the more revenue we can generate. So businesses that are focused just on getting money are pretty short-lived. The businesses that are focused on always creating more value tend to grow and last during time and create a lot of value for all the shareholders and stakeholders. In our world, our social impact world, it's the organizations that demonstrate and connect around the impact that do a much better job at getting the income. So what does that look like? And I think I need to just hit a pause button here. We've talked about impact a lot. I need to make sure that what we understand I'm talking about is a really big tent. So do unto others, create value. In neither one of those axioms or golden rules does it say exactly what that means. And I don't mean to tell you exactly what impact means for you either. 
I simply want us to be deliberate in getting off of or moving away from the income side. So some people hear the word impact and they think outcomes. Some think data. Some think, uh, or some people will say, Nick, we can't quantify our impact. We don't know it yet. Don't worry. Hang with me. I just want us even asking the question. A couple of examples to help you out. I think about Tim in the state of Washington who has an education foundation. Just bringing awareness to this had him say, oh my goodness, we start off every board meeting with the reading of the minutes and a finance report. It's like Nick said, we are focusing all on the income. Every year they would do a strategic planning where they set the budget. So he did a mindset, he did a shift. He says, Nick, we decided to devote five minutes at the start of every board meeting to sharing a story around the impact. We had a student, Sarah, who'd been a recipient of the Education Foundation's funding, talk about her family and how it has transformed her life. He says, Nick, after the very first board meeting, one of my board members, who usually sits there with his arms crossed, not engaged, came up to me and said, I want to help more people like Sarah. How do I do that? When I say left to right, move more towards the impact, this is a story that helps me to illustrate what I mean. I think of another story from an organization called Scout Reach. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that, that's an offshoot of the Boy Scouts. It was really uh, designed more for the urban setting where maybe there weren't always as many parental figures to be involved in the programming. And this particular uh, chapter or region or um, whatever you would call it of scout reach was started by a former police uh, officer, a patrol officer, who tells me that he started this because he got tired of seeing the same kids on corners and getting into trouble. So when he called us up around the fundraising challenge, he said, hey, I'm having a hard time getting my board members to line up visits parenthetically for fundraising. So we just stopped and said, well, let's look at the impact. Now his name was Dave. I said, Dave, do you still have access to a patrol car? He says, yeah, I do. I said, hey, do you, I don't know if this is a thing, Dave, do you ever do like ride alongs where you ride people throughout the neighborhood or the city and kind of show them, tell them some stories? He says, yeah, I do. And I said, and how's that work? He says, oh, people love that, Nick. I said, Dave, if it were me, I would take the focus off of getting fundraising visits for you. Instead, I would ask each board person, board member to commit to getting two different prospects to ride along with you throughout the year. Do a ride along. And Dave called me up sometime later and he said, these are his words. Uh, he said, Nick, for six months, I was undefeated. I said, say more. He said, for six months, we did 18 ride-alongs, and on every single one, the prospect said, whoa, this, I, wow, this has been so great. How can I help? Now, the subtext to that, of course, is he had the 18. The board members had an easier time, whether it was psychologically or scheduling or engaging, of getting people to go on the ride-along than to go on a fundraising conversation. I always say that message is what people hear. It's not always what we say. And the way you can think about this 
is what do you want people to hear? Or you could flip it around. If you're getting ready to do a visit or a speech or put out a letter, you can look at it and say, is it really clear? Is the dominant message in here, we need money? Or is the dominant message, here's how we're changing, saving, and impacting lives? When you do that work, it does a wonderful thing for you as a fundraiser. It does a wonderful thing. It puts you in a position to shift your focus off of asking for money on that right side of the page. And instead, it's a psychological shift. There's a world of difference between asking for money and presenting the opportunity to change, save, and impact lives. There's a world of difference between asking someone to sponsor a table or asking someone to unite a family. And that's that mind shift that we're looking for. Now, moving from the right to the left, my sidebar, the thing that I owe it to you to tell you is, um, just like Jeff Skoll is looking for the Holy Grail, every fundraiser is looking for the Holy Grail of the impact message. This is exactly how $1 million will change the world. In this part, uh, in building awareness, what we seek together, what you seek, what I seek, what I seek for you, is a more perfect message. You'll never have a perfect impact message. Because what I don't want you to do is be paralyzed and say, well, Nick says impact and I can't articulate that, so I'm not going to go out. No, it's the exercise of asking ourselves the question. It's an awareness exercise, but the next kind of dimension of storytelling, that top down, I want to go there for a minute. Top down. Top down. Well, what do we mean by that? Top down. Well, one really interesting thing is when we watch fundraisers or executive directors uh, go on a visit, they tend to go into the weeds too quickly or too often. I think there are some reasons for this, but one of the things that we do to counteract that is I have uh, people in our seminars that we're working with, I have you write down a brainstorm. I want you to think about all of the different points that you would want to communicate to somebody so that they would give a million dollars to your organization. Like, this is just a free writing exercise where you're thinking about building your case. What's your impact? And maybe you have six bullet points or 15. But then together, we go through a sorting exercise. We can sort some of those into details. Some of those bullet points we might elevate because they represent a more aspirational part of your vision, a more aspirational part of what you do. And here's the thing. The reason why we're doing this is that the brain, the human brain, processes meaning before detail. Meaning before detail. We, because we're in this every day, tend to live or leave off at the detail. We tend to go to funders and get really into the detail, perhaps because we're trying to defend or we're trying to lift up or validate our work. But let's put ourselves in their shoes. What we need to do is understand this. Funders don't think in terms of programs. They think in terms of causes. So we need to start by sorting everything out and saying, hey, here's the cause that we represent. I need to let the funder know that we're playing in the same sandbox and then we can backfill that with some of the details. Now, 
The, the brain, as I said, processes meaning before detail. Some other ways that I might share with you as we deep dive here to help you elevate your impact message. You don't need to do all of these. Um, think about the meaning or elevate to the why level. One of the exercises that we do in a role play is I might say, okay, here's what we're going to do. After your opening, I want you just to take the next five minutes and talk about why you do what you do and why the funder took the conversation. What we're doing there is we're elevating the conversation. We're helping to bring order and meaning uh, to the funder. And we're actually doing one other thing. We're bringing them into a physiological space. Our bodies, our minds get more excited when we talk about the purpose, when we talk about the why, than we do when we talk about all of the details. So there's a lot of reason for that. But if you're ever trying to elevate, just think about, you know what, we're not going to descend down to the details. My coaching to you would be this, try this with a funder. Talk about, take control of the conversation. If the funder were to say to you, hey, Nick, let's talk about your program. I'd say, I'd love to do that. Can I put that in the context of why we were created? All right. Another way you can ask yourself to prepare for this question is, Answer this, toward what end? Our minds are always trying to understand how does this all add up? Like what's the big picture? And what I'm trying to get us to do is to understand that it's not about the program, it's not about the detail, it's about how those will add up in total and in sum. Now I mentioned the word sorting. For most of you, what I find is that if I read six paragraphs that you put out, I can pull that out of the paragraphs, but it's like in paragraph Five, I want us to have the ability to elevate and connect around that first. Again, because it's going to help the prospect sort everything and put them into a different physiological state. Finally, they'll then have a lattice work on which to hang all the details that already make sense to you. Left to right, top down, outside in. Here's the third dimension to this. Um, if message is what people hear, then maybe my sister coaching to that would be that the best message in the world originates using the words in the prospect's head. So outside in means um, I want to get outside of my head and I want to begin to use impact words that are going to resonate with or originate with the funder. Going back to that ed tech organization, they're actually in the arena of economic mobility. But watch this. As a concept, there are many different labels to put around that. Poverty alleviation, economic mobility, as I've said, workforce development, access perhaps to education and mentoring. Our brains can only build new information, can only engage with information by building on existing constructs. So what we're saying here in terms of impact and having the funders understand that they can have an impact, one of the things that we can do is begin to use their language. How do we do that? Maybe by asking them questions. So for this organization, I said, hey, you're gonna go meet with this funder and on their website, they talk about uh, poverty alleviation. They mention economic mobility. All you have to do is to say this, Hey, we talk about what we do in terms of economic mobility. 
I know you're about poverty alleviation. How do you see the interplay of those two things? Hey, we're on a deep dive, right? So this is a deep dive with four impact. Uh, what we were trying to do there was have the funder tell us what was inside of their head, their words, their way of looking at this. And what the what our the person we're coaching, what our clients said was, it was awesome because it was almost like the, their response gave me the skeleton on which we were able to hang the rest of our message. Their words gave me the skeleton on which to hang the rest of our message. Left to right, I want you to be aware of that. Top down, you can think about that to help you articulate your impact, meaning before detail, outside in. Think about engaging our funder and using their words. Hey, we've talked a lot about mindset and about storytelling. I want to take us in the remaining minutes just around the real practical element of thinking about these two words to help us shape a process. So there's linearity to this. We have impact on the left. And again, as I said, thinking about interacting with other humans can be infinitely complex in its own right. Uh, I've done this over 3,000 times. I've probably coached 10,000 visits. And I'll, I just want you to know, in every instance that I can think of, it has worked or has been instructive or helpful to think about this as a two-step process. Step one, have a conversation around the impact. Step two, then talk about the income. Now, if it helps, I'm going to paint, I'm going to elaborate on that mental picture. We talk about the impact. How do we know when to go to the in income? One way, under that red arrow, I want you to write the word in your mind's eye a question, how can I help? How can I help? If you focus on the impact and you do a good job engaging around that, there will be a time in which many of your funders ask you or say to you something to the effect of, this is really cool. How can I help? And I want you to think of this visual. I want you to think about this process. That's like a bridge. You cross the bridge and then you go over to what you need on the income side. If they don't ask that, you can serve that up as a question. Would it be okay if we were to talk about how you can help? Step one, step two. Now you can make this two visits if you'd like. Hey, on the first visit, I'm gonna focus on the impact. At the conclusion of that visit, I'm gonna say, hey, next time we're together, I'd love to go deeper into, now you can use the words funding campaign, or now I'd love to go deeper into how we're gonna impact those lives and ask for your help. Is that a conversation we could have? The one and only reason, the one and only reason that I'm not going to tell you to default to a two-visit strategy is this. Impact drives income. Our funders want to have an impact. I want a provision for the possibility that you could be so compelling on a first visit that seven minutes in, the funder could say, I get it. How can I help? And I want you to be ready and available to go to step two. Hey, here's your security blanket. 
if all else fails, focus on the impact. I'm not real big on saying, oh, this is just a cultivation visit. That doesn't even, that's not even congruent with this mindset. That's not even congruent with the funder saying, I want to have an impact. There's no such thing as just a cultivation visit. But if you don't know where to go, think about just connecting with the impact. It will always put you in a safe spot. You'll always learn. And more than likely, the funder will say to you, this is incredible. How can I help? It's a mindset. It's an approach, process here, and a framework. The framework, the foundation for high-dollar fundraising. Impact drives income.